The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is The Lori Moss Show. Better job, better life. If you desire to reach your highest potential in your professional life, the next hour is going to help you uncover proven concepts developed by Lori Moss to help you pump up your professionalism, up-level your career, and transform from being stuck to being sought after. The Lori Moss Show, Better Job, Better Life, tackles all of the tough talks everyone knows about, gossips about, but never fully address in the workplace. Now is your time to transform with the expert in professional presence. Now, here is your host, Lori Moss. Welcome to the show. I'm Lori Moss, and today we'll be discussing what it takes to be successful in a broadcasting career. Our guest, Eric Halverson, will share his insight and perspectives on three things, what the industry looks like today, where it's headed, and what it takes to build and thrive in an industry that reinvents itself daily. Eric Culverson is the documentary producer for WFYI, the public television station in Indianapolis. He's the former lead news anchor at Wish TV in Indianapolis, an adjunct professor at the University of Indianapolis. Eric has been in the broadcasting business for 30 years, and it is a pleasure for me to have him on the show today. Eric, welcome. Well, thank you very much. I'm honored to be be here with you to see if maybe there's something I can share that would help some other people who are interested in this this kind of a career. I think there is a lot to be had from this conversation today. For actually, I find it fascinating. Um, just not pursuing a broadcasting career necessarily, but knowing more about it. So I'm looking okay. forward to this. Um, Eric, you've taken on many roles in broadcasting through the years that have contributed to your long and successful career. Um, tell us a bit about how you got your start and, and what you've done in the industry to get you where you are today. Well, part of my success, I think, is like in so many other careers. Sometimes it's just being in the right place at the right time to take advantage of an opportunity. Because if we go way back to the beginning, I was doing an internship at a local TV station in Indianapolis, and it was a small station. They had not filled a uh, reporting position because they were able to rely on interns to help fill in some of the blanks. Well, at the end of my internship, there was not going to be another intern coming into that station. They needed somebody, and I said I'd be available on a part-time basis through senior year in college, and I was able to turn that part-time job into a full-time job after graduation. And a lot of times, uh, as I was looking for opportunities along the way, I was just somebody who raised my hand and said, I'm available if you need somebody for this. We uh, brought in a helicopter, Chopper 8 at Wish TV, 
and there was not a rush of people who wanted to be up in the back seat of the helicopter as a reporter and photographer, and I thought <laughs> it was a fun opportunity, so I said, hey, I'll do it, and I did that for a number of years. So sometimes it's just being willing to, being willing to take on different opportunities, new challenges, and one thing will sometimes lead to another, and sometimes bosses appreciate the the fact that somebody is willing to do something new and do something challenging and and step out of the norm and I think that that helped me with with some of the uh, the managers I had along the way. Eric, were you uh, strategic in how your career path evolved, or did you find that just showing up and I mean that's the first step that keeps a lot of people paralyzed if they simply don't show up. Right. And when we show up, then we have something for others to work with. So tell right. us a little bit about your mix of strategy and just showing up. There are times where I look back now uh, because of some of the more recent changes where I think I should have been more strategic because most of what I was doing was living by the idea, well, if I'm there, if I'm proving myself every day, if I'm going the extra mile, if they need somebody to stick around for an extra hour or two, I'll be that person and they'll see how committed I am to the job and they will make the effort to help move me along because they see how determined I am to help promote the product. And I think that paid off in the long run. There, there, have been, uh, there were some managers along the way who felt with TV being what it is, sometimes they wanted the novelty of a new face coming in. So they might have brought in another anchor ahead of me. But part of what I was thinking was my interest was not so much in just getting ahead and being the next main anchor somewhere. Part of my interest was still having a decent family life, too. We moved around enough when when I was a kid that I wanted to be able to let my son grow up with the same friends. So I was not quite as strategic in trying to move myself ahead to be a big shot anchor in Philadelphia or New York or Chicago. So I was I was content to do the things I was doing here, but still hoping that management would recognize my achievements along the way. And some, it's one of those things that kind of some of those Hollywood people who say I was a 15-year overnight success, well, it took me a while to get to the point where I had convinced the right people that I could be a lead anchor at Wish TV. It just took took some time and the right opportunities came along and, and then I took advantage of that moment. So what's interesting to me, Eric, is one of the qualities you clearly demonstrated is that you were adaptable and and you were willing to put your hand up. And also you had priorities and you were clear on what those were. And even even though it may appear like a passive move, you became sought after because of what you were showing up and doing. And and so I can see where there's different ways people can go with depending on what their ambition is. And, um, you know, I guess adaptability for some people would be I'm willing to move all over the United States. I mean, that's or or the world. So that's another adaptability feature. It sounds like broadcasting is adaptability. <laughs> oh, very much so. Uh, when I started, we were shooting 
on film, and there's a story that goes with that, and I'm not sure how true this is, but it's it's been told so many times from the station where I started. Uh, it was WTTV in Indianapolis. At that point, it was an independent station uh, dividing its time between Indianapolis and Bloomington, Indiana. And they had, if I'm remembering correctly, they had the opportunity to be the first station in Indianapolis, at least, to use videotape. Supposedly, the chief engineer said, videotape is a fad, we're sticking with film. So we were shooting on film several years after the rest of the industry had gone to videotape. So um, adaptability became a challenge down there, but as we learn more things, the technology has changed from film to videotape to all the digital technology now. So there are so many different ways, things that I never imagined when I was getting into television that we're doing now, uh, adding social media and how quickly we have to respond on social media. It used to be we wanted to be the first on the air with a story at 6 o'clock. Well, now it's to see who can be the first on Twitter or on Facebook with the story. So there are so many new things that have changed the business and so many things that have added some new pressures to how we tell stories and how quickly we have to get the news out that uh, when you say adaptability, it's, it's changing all the time. And that's one of the points where sometimes when I talk to students, I say I'm not quite sure what the business is going to look like five years from now or ten years from now because it's changed so much in the last five or ten years. Has it created new positions in broadcasting? For instance, is there a whole team of people that manage the social media aspect of news? How does that work as an anchor and in, you know, integrating with social media? What are the, what are the logistics of that? Yeah, that's a, a huge element of the job now. And, for example, at Wish TV, things started changing when Wish TV in Indianapolis lost its CBS affiliation. The, the network affiliation is, is a huge partnership in promoting the news product because they can drop in, hear, watch during uh, uh, Young and the Restless, Watch us at uh, 5 o'clock, and we'll tell you more about the story mm. down, that happened downtown today. Well, without that, um, Wish TV needed to develop an even stronger social media presence, and they have their news director found a very creative way to be strategic, if we use that word again, strategic in the way he marketed and used all of the reporters within the station to help get the station's marketing message out so people knew what we would have at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock or 10 and 11. So that's kind of the ultimate example of the importance of social media. But all the stations have people whose job it is to coordinate the social media message and to develop ways to harness Facebook and Twitter and Periscope and all of these different options that are out there now. So, there, yes, there are people who do social media primarily, but then all of the reporters and producers are expected to be part of that social media messaging, too. And that's another example of a job that I wouldn't have examined, uh, expected when I, when I started in television. So did that add to your task list, or did something go away to make room for that? Because that's... 
nothing goes away. It's an added to. That's an interesting question because it's one of those. When we started doing the social media side of this, I started thinking, oh, no, this is just going to be more work. And I ultimately realized, well, it's actually kind of fun, but it is an addition to the other responsibilities. And it, it does give us a great way of reaching out and making connections to viewers, some individual connections, because somebody on Facebook might have a question or uh, an observation. There's one person I know uh, up in Tipton, Indiana, who we've talked several times back and forth, mostly on, on Facebook, but he's somebody who is very alert to even some of the background. He, he noticed, noticed when uh, little light bulbs were out in different places on the set, so he could send me a message and I could tell the engineers, hey, we need to check a light bulb because this guy is paying more attention than we were to some of the changes, and it could be something just that personal and that detailed. And uh, so the personal connection with the audience is appealing, but it does uh, present another, just it takes more time out of the day. It's an indicator, though, about the relationship that you, that is built with listeners and viewers, that they really care, which is a, an element of the news that, you know, the news is, is oftentimes factual and 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 you can talk more about this about the neutrality of being um you know a newscaster and yet people feel good about the station or they wouldn't be calling in and commenting on things they want it to do well so can you speak a little bit about that eric well, sure the uh, the example of wish tv again is another perfect example of that very question because there were people who predicted that Wish TV would die as soon as CBS was gone, but Wish had been around long enough and had developed a loyal following and still had some very loyal viewers who were not going to let the station die even if they weren't watching as much between the newscasts. So they have connections with the several of the longtime anchors, and they just feel loyalty to the station, even if they don't necessarily recognize the people there. So I think the fact that Wish TV is still still vibrant and still active is a sign that uh, of the loyalty and the connection the audience has to a station. And that's one of the advantages of the social media connections, because we can be more than just just faces on TV, and there have been times, I know um, when my son was born, people kept track of that, and I ran into somebody maybe out at the Speedway once who said, your son must be, must be about 10 years old by now, and I thought, wow. that's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's amazing how much people follow and make that personal connection, and there was somebody, because of that personal connection, I remember getting a call from somebody once, didn't care what my news break had been, but he liked the shirt I was wearing and wanted to know where he could get the same kind of shirt. So it's just people make friends with us and are attracted. So it is that that relationship we have that keeps people coming back as much as just the news itself. And you just mentioned something that makes me chuckle because uh, in one of my past careers, I was in the men's clothing business, in the suit business, and the, the anchors would come in quite often, and uh, 
they had no idea that whatever tie they chose, Mm -hmm. I can tell you the next week, if that stood out, customers are coming in and say, I want the tie that Eric Halverson was wearing the other night. Do you sell it? (laughs) And then I had to die, which is what's good about this is I dialed into the show to see what was going on with the ties. (laughs) And, um, you know, and so it was just, it's just fascinating. I don't know if all of you knew how impactful your dress code was. (laughs) Well, and, the uh, the women had a challenge too because there were times when the the rest of women's styles might be changing but the anchor desk the uh, older at least the older men in management were saying well we don't want you wearing uh sleeveless dresses or we don't want you doing this color or that color so we've had consultants who came through at different times and said this works and this doesn't. And mm-hmm. when when the uh, when the women could start being uh, in sleeveless dresses on the set, it was just like like life started over again. They were just so happy that they could <laughs> follow the rest of the trends, uh, follow the rest of the fashion trends. Well, um, on that note. Um We're going to uh, take a pause here, but when we return, we'll be talking more about um, the future of broadcasting and what that means to you as you embark on or are advancing in your career. We'll be right back. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to The Lori Moss Show. Better job, better life. If you have a question for Lori Moss, you can tweet it at Concepts. Find us on Facebook with keyword Lori Moss Concepts or send an email to radio at lorimossconcepts.com. Stay connected by visiting lorimossconcepts.com to learn more. While you're there, read our blog and sign up for the Lori Moss Concepts newsletter for more tips. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. I'm Lori Moss, your host today, and joining me is Eric Halverson as we continue our topic um, on what it takes to be successful in the ever-changing industry of broadcasting. Welcome back, Eric. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, A little bit earlier today in our discussion, we touched a bit on relationship building, and 
I have come to find out no matter what industry in business, if we are not relationship builders from day one, we will pay the piper on that one. And and one of the things that Eric and I talked about earlier was um, how a change in the industry uh, well, Eric, let's, let's just recap that real quick. When you were talking about uh, the major, um, I don't know, CBS or whatever, pulling out for a period of time, and and why relationship building and, and why that works so well for the station. Well, the, the uh, connections we have are established over a long period of time. It's not something that happens... Instantly, so we try to. That's one reason why so many of the uh, the stations do community service events too. Uh, we we might see a coat collection at Channel 13 for uh, the Salvation Army. There are toy drives. There are food drives. There are so many different things that TV stations will will do to try to make a connection with the community and show we're we're part of the city. We're not just here telling stories. We're here living with you. We are committed to trying to make this a better place. So you see a lot of that in addition to the stories that we tell. And a lot of times those are moments where we can shake hands and get to talk to people in person. And they see us, we see them, and we can encourage them to watch. Or sometimes they'll come up and just reminisce about somebody they used to watch, some of our old weather guys. Or uh, It's just a variety of ways people are, are connected with us, and that furthers the relationship. And then part of the relationship is furthered by the ability to that the audience knows they can come to us and get reliable, accurate information. And there was an example of how social media has influenced that, and sometimes not to the good, with um, one of the uh, local newspapers tweeted something about an accident in the northeastern part of Indianapolis, and then they went out there and found out what they tweeted initially was wrong and the newspaper reporter said well sometimes the facts change well the oh. facts change <laughs> they got the story wrong because they were responding to what they heard on the police scanner and put it out without checking it so the facts don't change and when something like that happens that can disturb the relationship if the audience comes to lose trust in what the reporters are doing but generally the relationship builds because they they come to know and trust us over a period of years. And when we talk about relationships, um, you were the face of you know of the station as an anchor. There are so many people behind the scenes. Oh, There's yes. the photographers, reporters, the journalists, the producers. And what's interesting is clientele always can perceive if the face of the business is not in alignment with their their professional relationships behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk a little bit about that because there's a lot of people that want a career in broadcasting, that they want to stay behind the scenes and they want to be respected. And I, I'd like to talk a little bit about those people and how they've really made a difference in your career. Well, there are there are any number of people who uh, who have been valuable behind the scenes and never get the credit they deserve. Um, 
people who've run the cameras, the producers, the people who write and organize most of the show, they're the people who um, don't get enough credit for what they do. And it becomes, it is very much a, a team business, but it's the anchors and reporters who, because they're, they're the faces you see on the screen, who, who get the acknowledgement. And it's right now, a lot of the demand is for the behind the scenes people, the producers who would be the ones who will say, this story gets this much time and it's going to go first, and then they lay out the rest of the show and coordinate the video and, and some of the other elements that, that go into the creation of a good visual TV show. And they, um, they're they the people, they can make the anchor look good or look bad, depending on uh, how well the team works together. And we had some excellent producers at Wish TV. So I, I was fortunate to work with people who... Um, well, I can remember there were a couple of producers who were alert enough to the way I wrote and the way I spoke on the air that they would try to adjust their writing for my style, and then they might write in a different way for another anchor. So those are the people that you really want on your staff, the people who care that much that they try to write in a way that suits the anchor. That makes my job that much easier and, and makes the uh, the ability to, the ability to seem natural or appear natural just that much easier. And they have the desire for you to be successful. And yeah. it's fulfilling yeah. for them. I, I, I see that as so critical. And um, so I'm, I'm just curious, and we'll move on after this, but you've held so many positions. You've had a 30-year t- career. So a journalist, reporter, photographer, producer, anchor, which ones were maybe the most challenging for you, um, and um, and which ones did you fall into just naturally? Um, you know, I'm in a way I'm not sure. I'm I don't know that any of this comes naturally to me because I w- I like the uh, professional student aspect of constantly learning and finding out whether it's new technology or just learning more about Indiana or more about the country. So that part comes naturally, the, the constant learning and reading. The, uh, I think there are a lot of people who I went to school with, especially in grade school or high school, if they found out that I've been on TV as long as I, I have been, they would be stunned because I was usually one of the people in the back of the room trying to stay quiet and not draw attention to myself. The move into television came partly in recognition that I was never going to make it in medical school. And I was, <laughs> I was uh, in a place, at that point we lived in Minnesota, and our uh, town in Minnesota had the first high school radio station in the state of Minnesota. So I was involved in that, and that kind of led me into what I, what I have been doing for all of these years. The... Um, Photography side of it came relatively naturally, I suppose, because I always enjoyed taking pictures when I was younger. And the photography side, whether it was uh, working as the reporter and photographer in Chopper 8 or just being my own photographer as, uh, as a news reporter when I would do both jobs, I think that made me a better reporter because I learned the other side of the job. So it was not just being a reporter uh, learning how to put the visual element into a story helped. So each 
I think each part of my career helped make me better in the next part of my career, if that makes any sense. It does. And, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about what this glamorous uh, career really <laughs> requires. <laughs> okay. And, um, and some of the qualities that, that one, you know, we talked about adaptability already, but some qualities that just stand out for you that one needs to survive and thrive in that mm-hmm. career. Well, part of it is determination because, and a thick skin, those kind of go together because what one news director likes may not be what another news director likes. So it's not, I think in some careers, uh, if you're a nurse, you're, if you're a good nurse in one hospital, you're a good nurse in another hospital. But if you're a good reporter in one place, that might, the opinion might be different by a manager in another place. So, uh, you've got to have a thick skin to be able to withstand criticism, and sometimes it's criticism from the audience because they don't like what you, uh, what you said or how you said it. They may not like what you're wearing. If we talk about what the, what the audience sees and remembers about how we appear on TV, uh, so there are aspects of that, but dedication and determination to keep going, uh, sometimes when you're told no, whether it's, uh, with one manager or when you're told no by uh, somebody who you want to get into a story and they don't want to be part of the story. Uh, sometimes aggressiveness is part of that because you want to get the story first before the uh, competition gets it, so you have to keep driving to make more phone calls or knock on more doors. The um, That, in in another case, too, would be one where People might say I wasn't a natural choice for um, for a job like this because I don't come across as the most aggressive person. I'm competitive, but I think I'm low-key enough that people don't necessarily think I'm working as hard as somebody else. So that might be going back to your other strategic question in the first segment. That might be a point where sometimes I... Uh, I was a little deferential to people. I can still get the same answers, but I don't ask, um, don't necessarily ask questions in a way that um, that might make it on 60 Minutes or something. I uh, I try to be more polite than uh, than outwardly aggressive, and I still got the same answers. But uh, it just depends on on your personal approach. The uh, but adaptability is important because of the, the way technology keeps coming in and changing things. Um, and just and going back to the idea of constant learning, and I think this applies to so many other businesses, as, as you've done interviews in the past, I think just about anybody you talk to will tell you you have to be willing to keep learning because if you don't keep learning, you stagnate and nobody gets ahead. I'm going to go back just a minute to what you were talking about, different approaches. And aggressiveness might might get a forced connection, and depending on the situation, that might work out fine. Mm -hmm. There's the other connection, and that's the ability to build trust in the moment when they don't even know you. And that's Mm -hmm. all about the approach and the intention, and that's what people are reacting to. Mm -hmm. So my guess, Eric, is your approach brought out responses that normally would not come out because they, there is an element of trust there. Yeah, that's probably true now that you mention it. I, and you make me think of a case when, um, 
when there was a shooting out on the west side of Indianapolis, shooting at a bar, I think, or a liquor store, and the police were trying to get some information, and it wasn't coming to them readily. And there were people in the neighborhood who were coming to me and telling me what they saw because they had come to know me over the years, and they trusted me. And so I was finding out some things before the police were just because the people had that relationship, even though it may have been just through the screen, but because of that, they were coming to me. They trusted me with information. So there are uh, different ways that that's exhibited, and I, I was... I was grateful that people would trust me enough with with some of that information, and I can think of a uh, of a mom who lost a son in a uh, in a military plane crash many years ago, and she would call me frequently around the time around the anniversary of her son's death, and we'd talk a little bit. And I think the fact that she would stay connected to me was that she appreciated how I treated her son's story. So things like that make a difference to people. And it's not a moment where I go in and pound on a door and try to say, you need to tell me this story and I want it now, something like that. I tried to treat people with the respect they deserve and with the respect the story deserved. And it wasn't all about just getting on the air. It's treating people well. That was important to me first. So someone like yourself, when when we're looking at different market sizes, mm-hmm. it, is it true that a large market, let's say Manhattan, um, that different qualities for success and fulfillment are going to be different in that market, say the Indianapolis market or a smaller um, market? Is it market-related yes. as far as what it attracts as, employ- as employees? I think that's probably true. I think that was one reason why the Indianapolis television market was so stable for such a long time, because there were people who were starting around the same time that I was starting here that uh, realized that Indianapolis is a great place not just to work, but a great place to raise a family. And I think because of that, connections were made, and there wasn't, the, the transit element that that would come through and say, well, I don't need to make friends with this police officer because in a couple of years I'm going to be gone, so I don't care if I hurt feelings or step on toes. Mm-hmm. Around here, since people were staying, we were able to make connections that were more long-lasting connections and I think maybe reduced some of the the pressure that comes with trying to beat the other guy to a story. Everybody wanted to be first, but I think there has been, uh, until some of the transitions of late, that um, I think we were a little more uh, easygoing as a market than you might have yeah. seen in Chicago or New York or, or Los Angeles. I think, um, I think there are some, and some of it is, um, is stylistic about what the, uh, just what kind of city you're growing up in. So, there may be, uh, I'm trying to remember where it was, there was a line, I think, from Philadelphia where somebody said, well, here's our approach to news. Mm-hmm. If it bleeds, it leads. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's become more common all, all around the country now. But 
the uh, the idea is I think what you ask is a good point that there are some just different natures within the cities and within the management philosophies of each station in those cities that maybe is reflected in how the stations approach news and and their competition with each other. Yeah, that's that's really helpful to know. We are going to take a short break here. We'll be right back. Uh, join us. Uh, Eric's going to give us his perception of what's, what's going to be happening in the future from his perspective in the news. What are some of the media biases and the misconceptions out there around the news? We'll be right back. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to The Lori Moss Show. Better job, better life. If you have a question for Lori Moss, you can tweet it at Concepts. Find us on Facebook with keyword Lori Moss Concepts or send an email to radio at LoriMossConcepts.com. Stay connected by visiting LoriMossConcepts.com to learn more. While you're there, read our blog and sign up for the Lori Moss Concepts newsletter for more tips. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. I'm Lori Moss, and joining me today is Eric Halverson as we continue today's topic about what is going on in broadcasting today and how you can position yourself to take advantage of the opportunities. Welcome back, Eric. And Thank you. Um, let's, uh, let's continue our discussion a little bit earlier. We were talking about qualities and getting into the right markets and, and really designing a broadcasting career based on what we want in our lives. And that means we'll be successful. It'll be easier. So one of the real curious things I didn't know about until you and I um, had talked earlier this week is the whole agent aspect of Mm. your business. So can you tell us a little bit about what that is and what that's like to deal with an agent and how that really impacts your career? Sure. The, uh, the first time I dealt with an agent, and this maybe goes back to something that we had talked about in the last segment, too, the, uh, the stability in the Indianapolis market, because I had talked to an agent when I had been at Wish TV probably two or three years, and this agent said that he didn't want to take me as a client because nobody leaves Indianapolis. They like it so much. 
so uh, I ended up for most of my time here not working with an agent. Most people these days, I think, have one because it's become, it's almost a requirement, I think, if you want to get ahead because the agents are better connected with news directors and the agents are maybe better promoters of an individual than we can be ourselves, especially when we're trying to do a a full-time job and then work as marketing ourselves to go someplace else. So the uh, agent business has become big business, too, and they, of course, charge a percentage for what um, they get for you as a salary. Probably uh, 10%, I think, might be the standard, 7 to 10%. And I worked, I talked to an agent once many years ago, and at that point I was pretty convinced that I was going to be staying in Indianapolis unless somebody could come up with a, a more appealing offer. And I talked to her and I said, well, look, if I stay here, what if we cut your rate and just make it something for negotiating the next contract rather than paying you the 10% you want? Because if I'm staying here, why should you get 10% of my salary for something that I got by my own, by my own work? And she right. wouldn't change her, her, uh, her commission. So I said, well, no, thank you. And there are people, once you've signed with an agent, they end up getting a portion of your salary for as long as, as you're signed with them. And it's, it is a weird part of the business sometimes, too, because you're all, it's almost like the reporter is performing for them, trying to convince them uh, you're putting on a show for the agent, but the agent is working for the reporter. And it's... They, it's almost hmm. like they forget who's the client and who's the boss sometimes. But, uh, but it becomes a, an important way that people, if they're determined to move around from market to market, it's maybe the best way of, of making the connections to go from Indianapolis to Chicago or from Los Angeles to New York. So it's, it's part of the job, I think, for a lot of people, but, uh, but it can be an expensive part of the job once you've signed the contract. This might be a naive question, but what, what are the positions that require an agent? Is it all journalists, reporters, photographers, producers? I, I think it would be mostly reporters and anchors. I think some, some producers at uh, higher levels might do it, but most of my experience has been produ- uh, reporters and anchors would have uh, have contra- uh, contracts with, with agents, not so much anyone else. Okay. Well, I think that's really helpful uh, to our listeners, hopefully, to, to know about that. And um, so let's, let's move on. Let's, let's, talk about, let's talk about media bias. Okay. Um, well, I've heard about what's that your take on that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, that's usually the first question that it comes up when, when I go out and give a speech someplace. Uh, if I don't acknowledge it directly in the speech, the, the first hand that goes up will usually be somebody who's saying, well, what about this media bias? And my first answer tends to be, well, it's not always our bias that's reflected in newscasts. Sometimes it's the perception of the audience and the audience bias that influences how a story is seen. So the audience has, a, has its own attitude about a story, and if we 
sometimes if we acknowledge something that is contradictory to a viewer's opinion, then we're biased because we acknowledge the other side. And that's a point where I don't know that I score any points with with the uh, with the person who's asking the question because they're convinced that the media has a bias and it's not always ours it's the viewer too the the more i watch from from outside now in my producer days looking in i can sometimes see why why people say that i'm maybe a little more open to seeing where people would accuse some elements within the media of bias but uh, but as a whole, I'm I'm not quite as convinced that um, the media in general is is biased a certain way, and that might even go back to some of what you were saying about how the markets might be different. Because if we look on the East Coast, if we see some East Coast reporters who grew up on the East Coast and some of the Ivy League schools, for example, their views of certain stories may be different than those of us. For example, I went to Butler University here in Indianapolis, so maybe my education is different, so my background is different, and my my view or my way of telling a story might be different. It might So the, the bias might not be something that is uh, overt. It might just be an example of how we were raised, and that's that's the foundation of of uh, just how our our mindset, I guess. Well, yeah, that that's a great answer to a really big question <laughs> that yeah. continues to be asked. So, <laughs> yeah, I appreciate your uh, <laughs> your experience around that. Uh, it it actually there was there was a big story here in the last week that went viral on the internet. It it, it was a there was a, a Oh, a weather woman out at KTLA in California, and it was on a morning show, and she came out in a cocktail dress. It was a, a, a tank dress, and it was a little bit shorter with sequins, no jacket, mm-hmm. and and it was very distracting. Actually, when I saw the video, I didn't even know what the weather was because <laughs> I saw that, okay? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, some arm or something comes out from the side and hands her a sweater to put on. And it was incredible. It went viral. And here I am going online and looking at KTLA because I'm curious. Now, that really created a buzz. Sure. So who knows if that particular station's personality, it's in L.A., it's entertainment world, that could be exactly what their viewers are kind of looking for. (laughs) Yeah, I would. To me, that sounds, that's not a surprise out from, from that area. And the uh, my first experience in L.A. was doing a story out there after one of the earthquakes some years ago, and they were doing a story outside. This tells you how far back it was, but Vanilla Ice was doing a concert. The station couldn't get into the concert, but they were doing a live report outside the theater to say, Vanilla Ice is inside. And... We wouldn't have done something like that in Indianapolis, I think, if we couldn't get in to, to see the concert or present some video. I don't think that would have been quite the big deal that it was in Los Angeles, but that's the entertainment market. So their approach is a little different. So spangled dresses, I don't, I don't know that that would, to me, that doesn't sound so unusual for Los Angeles. 
<laughs> I don't think so. But I remember it was brought up with a local anchor, and and he it, it was a gentleman, and he his partner was female, and she she brought this up, and he just kept his lips tight. He and he just shook his head. He wasn't going to get into that conversation. It was hilarious. But there's a buzz and it was fun. I mean, I remember all of this. And normally, I wouldn't be all that, you know. Yeah, sure. <laughs> into to the weather. So, uh, anyway, I just wanted to share that. And um, let me see. What's... Well, we talked a little bit about the difficulty of all the different news sources now that we have to navigate. Um, Eric, what do you expect um, from the business in the next five to ten years? Well, that's that's an, another excellent question because I know we're going to need people who can be the storytellers. That's another one of the buzzwords of of the era, I guess. People need to be storytellers, whether it's somebody who can represent a story on the air as a broadcaster or somebody who can tell a story in in a brand journalism form through a public relations or marketing setting in the corporate world. So we need somebody who can do what I have done for such a long time. But the form is going to be challenging because I think we may see – TV stations more and more now are going for younger people with the technical skills who can shoot and edit and maybe don't have the gray hair that uh, some people from my generation have. So we might see fewer people with uh, extensive experience in a market, but people who can go out and put together a story quickly, maybe have some challenges of putting the story in the historical context for, for a particular area. So that becomes a little trickier. We're going to see more of, um, I think the, the word is convergence, as we see video and the, web, the TV websites, lots of video there, and they're also doing longer versions of stories within the, uh, what they put on the website. And newspaper organizations have the traditional stories, the articles on the websites, but more of their photographers are also shooting video while they're out. So their websites are starting to look like TV station websites. There are a, a number of different ways. That's um, one of the, the issues that we had talked about a number of times over the years with consultants is the uh, audience tends to say a lot of the stations look alike because we're covering the, sta- the same stories and in many cases covering them in very similar ways. So they couldn't tell us apart from, from one day to the next. And I think maybe as newspapers add more video to, to their coverage, we all start looking more and more alike. And I, I'm curious about where that will lead with how the audience will decide who it needs and who it doesn't need. It might mean some, some stations end up uh, closing down newsrooms because the competition will be such that there just won't be enough audience for all of the different newsrooms to survive anymore. So uh, in five or ten years, we might not have as many local stations. We've already lost a lot of newspapers around the country. That might be uh, something that we see more often in television. I'm also seeing that the desire for formality is really starting to go away mm. just in the business world. And 
you know, on, on the major stations like where you were involved as an anchor, it was it was the suit, the tie, mm-hmm. the. Um, I mean, you can talk a little bit. About, I, I remember your glasses. Um, <laughs> situ- tell us a little bit about that and whether it, that's even relevant anymore today. But it was in the day. <laughs> yeah, it's the uh, the glasses. I think would be probably the silliest element of uh, of the TV concern about image because I had uh, for a lot of years worked with contact lenses and not wearing glasses and I had a a news director came in and he said he didn't care if I wore glasses because he'd been an anchor and he wore glasses so at some point somebody in management decided well uh, let's take a look at these glasses though they weren't sure that what I had was what they liked so they sent me to uh, one of the local opticians had me bring in seven, di- seven different pairs of glasses, and I sat down on the set. We had the production <laughs> crew turn on the cameras, and then I put, I changed glasses back and forth, and then it was kind of like a wanted poster. Look straight, look right, <laughs> look left. They had me take pictures in each of these seven glasses so they could decide, so they could decide what glasses I wanted. And uh, we ultimately picked one, and then after we picked them, they thought, well, when I tilt my head a certain way, their words were, you look like an angry professor looking over the top of the glasses. (laughs) So we had to go get slightly taller lenses for these glasses, so that look of the line over uh, looking over the glasses didn't happen anymore. So we finally found a pair that management liked. But uh, it's, it is one of the uh, aspects of TV that I think we're, we're never really going to escape, but there are points where they have become a little more casual and they say, well, at least you don't have to wear the tie all the time. But it's still, yeah. there are points out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, for example, no ties are required out there. So we can, we can dress in the, uh, the station shirts that day. So at least they're... There is a uh, even a style rule there that they want us all in the same shirts, but at least it's more casual golf type shirts. So yeah, the uh, the glasses thing was one of the strangest moments in my career. Well, you know what? We're closing out the show here in a minute, but what a fun story to end it with! <laughs> and who knows where all that is going? Authenticity. <laughs> is yeah. is big these days but Eric it was such a pleasure to have you on the show um, to our listeners I just thank you for joining us in the conversation today it oh, was a pleasure, pleasure to be with you all it was an honor thank you very much alright everybody have a great holiday weekend thank you for tuning in to the Lori Moss show better job better life To learn more about Lori Moss Concepts, our services, and to connect with the expert and professional presence, visit LoriMossConcepts.com. Tune in next week for more professionalism transformation. The Lori Moss Show, Better Job, Better Life, airs every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a successful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 